Well, mankind did not return to the moon this week, and neither did Bitcoin, which is fantastic because we are preparing to stack some of the most sats we've ever accumulated during this DCA experiment. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as financial advice. All views expressed on this podcast are solely the opinions of the host and or any guests that we might have from time to time. Nothing on this podcast should be construed as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or to follow a particular investing strategy. you sexy sat stackers and welcome to the latest episode of the bitcoin bulletin podcast today is wednesday august 31st 2022 and that means it is dca wednesday i am watching that price like a hawk not only because i'm a glutton for punishment but because the price is ticking back up or starting to tick back up as i've been pre- preparing to record this episode uh if we were to hurry up and if we would have hurried up and jumped in with our DCA Wednesday purchased right off the bat. Uh, we would have definitely purchased under 20000 for the first time in a long time, gearing up to be what could potentially be our cheapest stack of sats ever since we began exploring this dollar-cost averaging strategy a little over a year ago. Um, before I get into that real quick, though, a look at the vital statistics. At the time of this recording, Bitcoin is at a blockchain block height of 752074 and Bitcoin is currently ringing in at 19,996 US dollars per Bitcoin or 5,001 sats per cuckbuck. That is just about on par with the cheapest we have ever stacked. I'm scrolling through the data real quick. Our cheapest stack, the only time we've ever stacked under $20,000 was all the way back on June 22nd when we stacked at $19,949.18. So depending where Bitcoin goes in the next few minutes, this is either going to be our cheapest stack or one of our cheapest stacks. Um, If it trends up, we had another purchase just at 20,000. So it'll be our second or third cheapest purchase unless Bitcoin just absolutely goes on a tear while I'm talking. Uh, Fingers crossed it continues to trend down because uh, Bitcoin, as you know, is a long-term strategy and I am in it for stacking as many sats as we can before it does go to that moon one day. And the, the lower it goes, the cheaper, the cheaper Bitcoin gets in U.S. dollar terms, the better as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but where was I? Back to the vital statistics. That was um, Bitcoin is ringing in at 5,001 5, sats per cuckbuck. Along those lines, if you value your wealth in gold and if you don't value wealth in gold and want to trade in your shiny metal rocks, your shiny yellow coins for Bitcoin... It will currently cost you 11.8 ounces of gold to buy one Bitcoin. That is almost 12 one-ounce gold coins to purchase just one Bitcoin. And if you value your wealth in food, which, depending on how the economy goes, or if you're in one of those countries that's potentially going to run out of electricity this winter, that might be that might be you. Uh, Bitcoin will currently one Bitcoin will currently score you 1,198 Papa John's pizzas. I don't know how well Papa John's Pizza store, but, you know, pizza is basically loaded up with preservatives. And back in my college days, I was known to uh, snack on one pizza for more than one day uh, without refrigeration. Um, that was pretty common. Maybe that's 
Maybe, maybe you couldn't get away with that now, but back in the day, there were so many preservatives loaded up in a pizza, you could order a pizza in your dorm, throw it on your desk, and three days later, it would be exactly the same. And speaking of really old, potentially nasty stuff, if you value your wealth in oil, one Bitcoin will currently score you 207.2 barrels of oil at a price of 482,546 sats per barrel. And for those of you following Bitcoin's market capitalization, Bitcoin's market cap is down substantially, as you would expect with the price drop, to $382.7 billion. Uh, that is $30 billion less than last week. Although, right about where we were in June, as you remember, you know, Bitcoin dipped all the way down to 19, or dipped all the way down to under 18,000 in June before. Uh, rising back up and bouncing along that twenty to twenty-four thousand dollar channel, so basically we're we're right back where we were in June. Um, I have, I don't have a crystal ball, but I do have some thoughts on where we were heading. And uh, a couple episodes ago, or at least on Twitter, I remember I posted uh, a link to a chart that basically showed the the previous two halving cycles, along with where we are or where we were at the time. And, you know, it's anybody's call, but if it, it looked that if we were uh, going to follow the last having cycle that, um, you know, there was potentially a huge drop coming. And this might not be it. Um, this might just be, well, this isn't really that huge of a drop from 20 to 19 is, is you know, that's, that's a pittance. That's nothing compared to the shocks that Bitcoin can give us. Um, but... Um, I digress. And again, the only reason to even be looking at the price is to figure out how many sats you're going to score for each US dollar that you cash in or each euro that you cash in. And from that perspective, the lower the price of Bitcoin goes, the better. As you recall, if you were back in, if you were back in this space in 2017, when Bitcoin uh, peaked at just under $20,000, it went on to crash down into the $8,000 range and then back up into the teens and kind of bounced around the $10,000 range back before a second major capitulation that corresponded with the hash wars. And that's when Bitcoin dropped all the way down to 3000 something. Of course, if you remember the Bitcoin, please go to moon meme, uh, it was saying the part of that line is, uh, Vaz, they say it going down to 1k, but Mr. Novograd say it has bottomed out. Tone Vez was predicting that Bitcoin was going to drop all the way down to a thousand, and Mike Novogratz, who is of course, as we know, a total clown, what he was the Luna shill with his stupid Luna tattoo, actually made the call right. I guess everybody gets lucky from time to time that Bitcoin had in fact bottomed, and the rest is history. Of course, uh, if you were waiting for Tone Vez to be correct and Bitcoin to drop to a thousand before you purchased, you are kicking yourself for not stacking as much three thousand dollar Bitcoin as you can. Four years from now, you're going to be kicking yourself for not stacking as much $20,000 or $19,000 Bitcoin as you can, even if it does drop all the way down to twelve, as I saw one headline uh, potentially claiming that it will do uh, before it's all over. And who knows? Crypto winners tend to last a long time. You know, there's four years in the halving cycle. Two of them tend to be bull run, and two of them tend to be, you know, bear markets or sideways markets. So... Um, Bitcoin could go down, it could go up, but all that should matter four years from now is that you have more sats today than you had yesterday and that you stack as many sats as you can stack before Bitcoin sets another new all-time high. As Adam Meister at TechBalt on Twitter, the Bitcoin Meister says Bitcoin always returns to its all-time high. A lot of rules have been broken. 
uh, this time around. As they say, um, this time is different, and in some ways it is, but in some ways it isn't. And one thing that is crystal clear, one thing that won't change is that Bitcoin supply, at least the supply of new Bitcoin mined and available to purchase on the open market, reduces in half every four years. We are coming up on that faster than you might think. It's less than two years away now. Once it does that, obviously, that's going to be a supply shock. And so supply and demand would say that is going to make Bitcoin more valuable. Um, But I digress. Where were we? Um, We just did a market cap. That was $382.7 billion. A look at the mempool real quick. Bitcoin's mempool is reasonably clear. It's exactly pretty much exactly in line where it was last Wednesday. There are currently two blocks worth of transactions pending in my mempool. Um, And one sat per byte transactions will still clear within a day. As we're heading into the evening, they're more likely to clear. But if you want to guarantee that your on-chain transaction is included in the next block, estimators are recommending an 11 sat uh, per byte transaction fee to guarantee that. That is up a little bit from last week, where seven sats per block sh- or per byte should have guaranteed that your transaction would be included in the next mine block. But it continues the overall downtrend. Uh, just a month or so ago, we were looking at, well, two months ago, we were looking at 36 sats per byte to guarantee you were in the next block. That trended down to 16. Three weeks ago, that was 12. It dipped to as low as seven last week. And maybe we've leveled out a bit. Um, of course, uh, that all depends on a couple of factors. Uh, one of which is the time of day because, you know, we still live in that nine to five Monday through Friday world. The big institutional investors, the big professional traders, you know, they go home at five o'clock in the afternoon. They don't trade over the weekend. And, um, and that is, um, well, like, for example, uh, the exchanges tend to batch their transactions on Sunday nights. Uh, well, they batch all the time, but you see those big transaction batches come in on Sunday nights often. So on the weekends, there's almost no on-chain activity. Uh, When we do do a weekend show, our 24-hour average transaction rate that I like to follow is always lower than uh, it is when we do a Wednesday show. Along those lines, that favorite transaction metric, the 24-hour transaction rate, is almost exactly where it was last Wednesday. Last Wednesday, we were just above that three transaction per second mark that I like to see, and we are currently as well with a 24-hour average transaction rate of 3.04 transactions per second. That is over three transactions per second, but it's not over that pi, over that 3.14 that I like to see. As you know, if you've been listening, anytime Bitcoin has so much activity that there's more than 3.14-ish transactions per second, that's usually indicative of uh, rising Bitcoin prices. The more people out there actively trading, unless it's dumping, Uh, the more demand there is. And of course, that would go hand in hand with an increase in Bitcoin price. And 3.04 is right around that three transaction per second range where Bitcoin tends to stall and it's stalling. So uh, again, I'm not a transaction analysis guy and this is just something I've observed mainly since about the time I started this podcast. But nonetheless, it seems to be the most reliable indicator that I've identified just by a casual glance at the numbers. We just had a difficulty adjustment for Bitcoin miners out there. Uh, Bitcoin mining got 9.3% more difficult. That means we are at or very near an all-time high in hash rate again. 
I'm assuming that a lot of that is Marathon's hash rate coming back online, uh, but you never know. Maybe some of those new next-gen ASICs are starting to trickle onto the market. Either way, even with the depressed Bitcoin prices, more people are mining, more people are looking towards the future. I see a lot of people saying that Bitcoin mining at home isn't profitable, and there's all these calculators out there that'll say if your electricity costs a certain amount, this is what Bitcoin has to be priced at for it to be profitable. And I hear other people like Matt O'Dell out there saying, it really doesn't matter what Bitcoin's valued at as long as it's close because you're stacking KYC sats and whatever premium you're paying for that Bitcoin you mine at home is worth it for, you know, basically Bitcoin that hasn't been KYC'd. The way I look at it is, you know, um, sure, maybe your dollars might go further if you buy Bitcoin when it's cheaper, but stacking mining at home is kind of the ultimate DCA. Your miner is humming along, stacking those sats relatively consistency, consistently regardless of what the price is. And all that really matters is the number of sats that you have at the end of the day. So, um, but that being said, if you are mining at home, it just got 9.3% more difficult. You're going to be getting 9.3% less Bitcoin for your mining uh, efforts. And as you know, Bitcoin adjusts its mining difficulty every 2016 blocks, which is theoretically every two weeks. We're currently 1,910 blocks away till the next difficulty mining adjustment. So as you can tell, that basically just happened. We're a little over 13 days uh, away-ish. And depending where you look, and this is going to be completely unreliable because, you know, we the difficulty adjustment is going to be an average over 2016 blocks. And since we're averaging only 100 blocks, 106 blocks, um, that's completely unreliable. But nonetheless... Uh, depending where you get your data, that's estimated to be another increase of anywhere from 0.38 to 4.4%. I'm more inclined to believe that 0.38% number. But again, uh, we won't even have a clue until days before that adjustment because anything could happen. More hash power could pour on, hash power could come off. Um, So that's just kind of a guesstimate. However, Blocks are currently in the 100 blocks, 106 blocks we've had in this difficulty epic. Blocks are currently averaging 9 minutes and 39 seconds, which is obviously under the 10-minute block goal that Bitcoin uh, shoots for. So if that holds, there will be yet another difficulty increase in approximately two weeks. Real quick, I want to say thank you to those those of you listening on your favorite podcasting 2.0 app, such as the Fountain app and Breeze Wallet. I know some of you are listening because I can see the stats you're streaming us. And so thank you. Uh, We actually have a boostogram to read. um, At Fiat Converter sent a very short but simple boost uh, from the Fountain app saying simply, thanks for the inspiration. Thank you for the inspiration, Fiat Converter, because while, you know, uh, the stats that have been trickling in haven't been uh, enormous, uh, one day they will be, you know, if stats ever hit that sat dollar that sat dollar parity, that one sat people, you know, the one sat per minute or whatever you might be streaming, you know, that that's a dollar. But but more importantly, back to the inspiration thing, I can see those stats streaming in. I get those boosts in real time. And that is inspiration to keep doing this podcast, knowing that you are listening and that you appreciate me. So thank you, everybody who has been streaming us sats. And thank you, Fiat Converter, for your booster grab. Uh, we do appreciate that. All right. So out in Twitter sphere, there's been a couple of interesting tweets recently, not the least of which is Plan B is out there uh, continuing to tweet his defense of his bottom call. As you remember, I believe he called the bottom back in June. 
and his one of his most recent tweets was a chart depicting the realized price, Bitcoin's price versus realized price in the 200-week moving average, which him with him saying, some compare the current situation with 2015 and conclude that we will stay low slash blue for months. One big difference in 2015, realized price, which was the gray line in his chart, was still two times above the 200-week moving average. Currently, realized price is below the 200-week moving average, i.e. weak hands have already sold. And he may have a point that there are fewer weak hands out there to panic sell. Um, but again, they say this time is different, and this time, you know, a lot of things are different. Like one of those weak hands was Tesla, for example, dumping a uh, billion dollars of its Bitcoin or whatever it did back in June, May timeframe. Uh, another amusing headline out there that I saw because Adam Meister retweeted it, again, he's at TechBald on Twitter, was the Associated Press is running cover for the Fed with a ludicrous headline, Fed tackles inflation with its most diverse leadership ever. Leadership at the Federal Reserve has become its most diverse ever. There are more female, black, and gay officials contributing to the central bank's interest rate decision than at any time during its 109-year history because that's what you want to hear right now. We don't necessarily have the most qualified. Well, they think it's the most qualified because uh, the media and the people in charge think that the most important qualification you can have is basically what the board looks like, not what their qualifications are, or whether or not they're making the right call, whether or not they're purposely driving up unemployment, whether or not they're purposely running this economy off the cliff, all, to, all under the guise of lowering inflation, which is just a freaking joke because, as you know, if, you've, if you know anything about money, if you've been in this space long enough, if you know anything about Austrian economics and if you've read Safety and Amos's Bitcoin Standard or pretty much anybody uh, in the Bitcoin space will tell you that inflation is not prices going up. It's the value of the dollar going down. And the only way that happens is by printing more money. By the fact that we've printed trillions of additional U.S. dollars, whether that be actual paper dollars or just digits moved around in computers, the monetary supply in the United States and the rest of the world has greatly inflated, and that is why your dollars are not buying as much as they used to. As a reminder, uh, the late, great Milton Friedman is famous for saying, quote, inflation is always and everywhere a monetary phenomenon in the sense that it is and can be produced only by a more rapid increase in the quantity of money than the output. The color and the sexual preference who these Federal Reserve officials want to sleep with has absolutely nothing to do with inflation, has absolutely nothing or should have absolutely nothing to do with their qualifications. Um, you know, I'm not a huge fan of the Fed, obviously, if you've been listening to this podcast in general. Um, yeah, I shouldn't care what they look like or what they do, with the minor exception that they set interest rates. And this board jacking up interest rates, unfortunately, uh, you know, sets the rate for what you're going to pay for your credit cards, what you're going to pay for your mortgage, what you're going to pay for a car loan. All the things you should not have, by the way, if you don't want to be short Bitcoin. But apparently... Um, while the Federal Reserve and the European Central Bank are driving the world over an economic cliff, uh, the media is out there just salivating all over themselves because, hey, um, the board is more diverse than it's ever been. Woohoo. How about the board actually make some decisions that, well, 
I guess it's kind of a fool's errand because it really doesn't matter what the Federal Reserve does um, as far as inflation. You know, they're, they're, the only way to control inflation would be fiscal responsibility. Literally, the only way to increase the purchasing power of the U.S. dollar would be to start deleting dollars from the system. Uh, we're stuck with what the inflation we already have. We can just hope that inflation levels out. When they say they want to get under fl- inflation under control, if they say that the CPI actually starts trending down, remember that's just... Uh, that would be just a trend down in how fast prices are rising. The, the price increases we have, for, for the most part, we're stuck with. And guys, that was always the goal. Um, if you've been, even before Bitcoin, uh, even before Bitcoin existed, and, and in fact, one of the reasons Bitcoin was invented was because, um, you know, governments were out of control. The U.S. dollar was being printed into oblivion. And that is on purpose because governments around the world are so in debt that there's only a couple of ways that they can get out of that debt. One, default, which they're not going to do. And two, inflate it away. You know, a soft default, which is what they intend to do and it's what they are doing. It's kind of like before the last major round of inflation in the 1970s, people had these ten dollars or $20,000 home mortgages and they're losing sleep at night. Oh no, how am I going to cover that $99 a month mortgage payment? Which isn't a joke. That was a lot of money back then when people were earning $2 an hour. But then we had inflation and people that had those mortgages in the 1980s, all of a sudden the average mortgage was for, you know, maybe a $100,000 house with, you know, a $700 a month house payment or whatever the mortgages were um, back then. Uh, and the people with those $99 mortgages were in great shape. And how they got that way is they had a locked in debt. And so inflation um, basically made their debt and inflated their debt away. Their $20,000 mortgage all of a sudden was nothing compared to the $100,000 mortgage or the half a million dollar to million dollar mortgages people have now. And that's the strategy the federal government is looking at. There are trillions of dollars in debt. All of a sudden, is that, isn't that big a deal when you have Venezuela-style inflation where a trillion dollars won't buy you a loaf of bread? Right, obviously, in Venezuela, it isn't that bad yet, but uh, or maybe it is. I guess I don't know what the, what the current value of the Bolivar is in Venezuela. But my point being... Um, all of a sudden, the government debt is 10% less or 50% less or whatever the case may be because simply because of inflation. Uh, all those extra dollars they printed are worth less. They'll buy you less. It'll cost you more to buy your new home. But those people with locked-in debt, they've inflated it to nothing, basically. It becomes more and more meaningless. And that was always the goal. That is always what they had in mind. All right. Well, unfortunately, while I've been rambling on Bitcoin, the price of Bitcoin has been trending up. So it doesn't look like we are going to be stacking at a new low price, not even the second lowest price. Uh, Hopefully, Bitcoin bounces off the, when I say bounces, I mean ricochets, bounces off of 21 or 22 or wherever it's heading and uh, drops precipitously before I make the stack so that uh, we can stack that 5,000 sats per cuckbuck. Uh, because that would have been cool. Remember, Bitcoin, the price of Bitcoin isn't down. Bitcoin is on sale. This is an opportunity of a lifetime for you to stack those sats that you were kicking yourself for not stacking when Bitcoin was $69,000. Remember that $55,000, FOMO where uh, you just wish you had bought at you know 20000 or 30000 or even 40000 Well, this is that second chance. So even if Bitcoin trends down, uh, even if it drops to 12, all that matters is that you're adding to the size of your stack because, again, 
you know, you shouldn't be planning on dumping your Bitcoin ever. You should be planning on one day being able to spend the Bitcoin. But even if you are going to sell a little bit of it one day, maybe to buy a house or a car or pay off a debt, uh, you know, hopefully that's not till more than four years from now. Hopefully that's not till more than 10 years from now. And, you know, if you look back on the price of Bitcoin 10 years ago, that 10 year time frame, um, well, 10 years ago, Bitcoin was only three years old, but it was worth a heck of a lot less. And anytime you see a headline about someone, you know, anytime back in the day when you used to see headlines about, you know, crypto billionaires, Bitcoin billionaires, Bitcoin millionaires, it was always, if you had purchased just $100 of Bitcoin 10 years ago, here's how much you'd have. And hopefully, 10 years from now, you will be that person when they say if you had purchased just $100 of the Bitcoin, if you'd started stacking just 10 years ago, if you could imagine, can you imagine if you'd only started stacking during the crypto winter of 2022, how much you would have right now? Um, That should be your mindset. That should be your perspective. All right. So where was I? The whole reason for today's episode, and that is because it's DCA Wednesday. What is DCA, you might ask, if you're just following us, if you're just listening in. DCA is short for dollar cost averaging, and dollar cost averaging is, quote, an investment strategy where you invest your money in equal portions at regular intervals regardless of price. For example, this will be our 58th stack. We started stacking over a year ago on Wednesday, July 28th, 2021, and we've stacked 57 times so far. Uh, we've been stacking our regular our regular portion is has we've been stacking twenty dollars and our regular interval obviously is Wednesdays. Again, we chose twenty dollars because I wanted to start stacking an amount that was so small that almost anybody could come up with twenty dollars that almost anybody could justify just sticking twenty dollars you know in their in their in their in their little in their in their penny jar you know twenty dollars of the sats in your in your virtual sat jar uh, because. You know, in most places, most of the people, regardless of where you're listening, in some places, $20 is a lot more money than others. If you're listening in the United States and Europe, $20 might seem like nothing to you. And maybe your regular uh, portion, your equal portion is going to be $100 or $1,000 or $10,000. You know, do your own research. You do you. But what's important is that you pick an amount that you can invest regularly. And we chose weekly as our interval. And that seemed to work out kind of nice, actually, because... Uh, if you look at the price on our DCA Wednesday stacks, Bitcoin's been all over the place in the last several months since, you know, it's low of 19 or it's low of 17 something in June up to 24 and rattling between the 20 and $24,000 price range. But we've been purchasing at 21 or 22 consistently because it seems like, uh, well, it seems like Bitcoin had been dipping on the weekends and then just in time for our episode, it would, it would start rallying back up. But the point being that price was smoothed out um, by by just picking an average interval and just investing every Wednesday. But you might be a person that's paid every two weeks, and most people that do DCA, whether it's in Bitcoin or any other investment, tend to DCA on their paydays. So if you want to uh, set your payday as your DCA day, if that's every two weeks, that's fine. If it's every week, that's fine. Some people choose to DCA daily. Again, I mentioned those home miners. If you're mining, you're literally DCAing by the second uh, because the equal portion you put in is, is changing based on your electricity price and the difficulty of Bitcoin. But at least over two-week difficulty periods, you're basically paying the same in electricity unless you're in Europe um, and you're going to be receiving a fairly consistent amount of sats. Uh, and even when it does, even when difficulty does increase by like 9%, like I just did, uh, you know, so you get 9% fewer sats for your money. But um, 
that was a huge, a huge, a huge difficulty change. And even shaving 9% off of 5,000 sats, you know, you're shaving off less than 500 sats. So you're still making, you know, 4,500 sats or whatever you'd be making theoretically. So my point being, pick a time frame that suits you, probably based on when you have spare dry powder, spare money, which is usually payday for most people, and pick a uh, pick a dollar amount that you feel comfortable investing weekly. We chose $20, and we chose weekly. And so far, investing just $20 a week has gotten us a stack of 3 million 63,974 3, sats. We've invested a total of $1,140, including $25.65 in fees. The U.S. dollar value is obviously not worth anywhere near that uh, because our average cost basis is somewhere around $37,000 because we have, we did start this DCA experiment in the middle of a bull run, so we did buy the high. The good news is the longer Bitcoin stays down and the lower it goes, the more we're going to bring that average cost basis down. Uh, Again, average cost basis is a number you should really only care about if you're planning on selling your Bitcoin, which you should not be. All you should really care about is the fact that we have stacked over 3 million sats in less than a year. And if you think it's too late, if you think you don't have enough money, if you think like you, I saw on Reddit just the other day and Twitter all the time, I only have $100. Is that even worth investing? I only have $1,000. Is that even worth investing? I think we've shown that even just sticking $20 away every week, uh, you know, we've built a stash of 3 million sats. I mean, if Bitcoin ever ever hits the moon, that's going to be... Uh, that's going to be a significant chunk of a significant chunk of change. If Bitcoin ever goes to dollar sat parity, that's three million dollars. I mean, it seems impossible to fathom Bitcoin ever being at dollar sat parity. That'd be hundred million dollar Bitcoin. But remember, there will never be more than twenty one million Bitcoin out there, and it might be fifty years from now. It might be a hundred years from now. Who knows? But at some point in time, if you believe in the promise of Bitcoin, like I believe in the promise of Bitcoin, and I'm assuming you do because that's why you're here. As Gigi says, everything divided by 21 million, the price of Bitcoin, the potential price of Bitcoin uh, in U.S. dollar terms, whatever the whatever fiat terms you want to compare it to, is potentially infinite. So the, all that really matters is that you get that stack going. Okay, hold the phone. Before I get into that, there's one thing I forgot to discuss that I think is just absolutely hysterical. And I don't mean hysterical as in it's really that funny. I mean, it's hysterical is that it illustrates exactly what we've been complaining about, about banker fraud, about political manipulation, about uh, the government sabotaging Bitcoin. For example, we don't have a Bitcoin ETF yet, right? However, today there's news of a new Bitcoin ETF that has been approved. And no, it's not a Bitcoin ETF with the headline, quote, think Bitcoin will go down? New ETF bets against Bitcoin bull Michael Saylor and MicroStrategy. Uh, elaborating in the article, what happened? A new ETF from RecShares called the RecShort MSTR ETF will allow investors the opportunity to easily short the performance of MicroStrategy and in effect short the price of Bitcoin as well. So while it's too dangerous to bet on Bitcoin, the SEC has no problem allowing you to bet against Bitcoin. But wait, it gets more clown world than that. Within almost a one hour time frame, out comes another headline. DC Attorney General sues Bitcoin billionaire Michael Saylor for alleged 15-year tax fraud. So uh, 
ETF that bets against MicroStrategy comes out, and at the same time, the one of the most highly political attorney generals in the country announces they're suing Michael Saylor and they're suing him for tax fraud. What an unbelievable coincidence. But it gets even more laughable. What is this alleged tax fraud that Michael Saylor has committed for the last 15 years? Well, according to the article and according to the AG's press release, quote, Saylor engaged in an elaborate scheme to create the illusion that he lived in Florida, a state without personal income tax. You know, like the huge mansion he has in uh, Miami Beach that he threw all those parties for, for all the Bitcoin whales and all the Bitcoin influencers at Bitcoin 2022 and at Bitcoin 2021. And how every time you see him, he's either on his yacht uh, near Florida or in his mansion in Florida. Or anytime you see an interview with the person that orange-pilled Bitcoin, I forget the name of the person, but all the headlines are, the man who orange-pilled Michael Saylor. He's always sitting at a table next to Michael Saylor's pool cabana at Michael Saylor's home in Miami, which last time I checked is in freaking Florida. So you get the point. We can't have a beat the Bitcoin ETF, but we can have an ETF that bets against Bitcoin. There's several of those out there, including this one that specifically bets against MicroStrategy, conveniently timed for this hit piece on Michael Saylor, where this highly political attorney general is trying to allege that Michael Saylor lied about living in Florida and therefore has been committing tax fraud for the last 15 years. And notice it's a suit and not criminal charges because civil suits are a lot easier to approve. All you need is the preponderance of evidence. Basically what that means is let's relate this to football, American football, not European football. And that is if your favorite team has the ball and they're running down the field and they make it to the 50 yard line and they go one inch across, that would count as a touchdown because it's more than halfway and it's more likely than not in legalese. Again, I'm not an attorney, but I do have a significant amount of experience in a prior life dealing with uh, criminal and civil law in a non-attorney capacity is all I'm going to say, but one that, uh, that, that did give me quite a bit of experience. And no, it wasn't getting arrested and sued. It was, it was uh, well, all I'm going to say is I have a little bit of experience in that. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, whereas in a criminal case, you need beyond a reasonable doubt, and that's making that full-on touchdown. And it's not only making a touchdown, it's making an unquestionable touchdown where, you know, all the instant replays and all the goals, nobody thought there was any cheating, there were no flags on the play. It is a touchdown that's so convincing that it's impossible for anyone of 12 people, you know, that watched it to to disagree. That All 12 people have to say, no, that was a touchdown. So um, that's why you see people use civil... Um, civil lawsuits in cases where they, uh, where tax fraud would be a criminal offense, but they're not going after it. They're just trying to shake some money out of Michael Saylor. And who knows? Obviously, this could be just a giant coincidence, but it sure as heck looks like someone's trying to pump that ETF. The, the timing is just way too coincidental. All right, something that just came up that gave me a little bit of a start uh, I was preparing to make our DCA stack, and apparently the Cash App app updated as soon as I opened it. As you know, every week I've been stacking using the Cash App. Um, but the Bitcoin button disappeared from the bottom right-hand corner, and for a brief moment it looked like either there was a glitch, or maybe they had paused Bitcoin support, or whatever, but that was not the case. It turns out there was an update, and now uh, the Bitcoin button isn't there anymore, and I kind of like that, but... Where it is now is you tap the little 
uh, the the dollar, the cash balance in the bottom left corner, whatever that is. In my case, it's usually zero, but whatever money you have in Cash App, you tap that on your cash balance, your cash uh, balance page. There's right below the add money. There's a graph that shows your Bitcoin holdings and a graph that shows stocks. If you're investing any stocks, and you tap on that, and that brings up the Bitcoin page, which will allow you to purchase Bitcoin and that is what we're going to do. Again, you know I've been using the Cash App, not because it's the cheapest, but because it's the easiest way to stack sats. At least that's what I've found for small amounts. If you're going to be purchasing larger amounts, you want to do some research and figure out a, maybe a cheaper way to do so because Cash App does charge like two and a quarter percent. And there are definitely exchanges out there, depending where you are, that will let you stack cheaper. But for small amounts like 20 bucks, that's kind of negligible. We're going to spend about 45 cents in fees and it's just so easy. Uh, and more importantly, they will let me transfer my Bitcoin immediately to a hardware wallet for free, which kind of makes up for some of that fee, um, as long as it's only like, a, you know, 45 cents. If you were going to be buying $10,000 of the Bitcoin, that fee all of a sudden probably wouldn't make up for your mining fee uh, that a lot of apps will charge you to transfer your, uh, your Bitcoin to a hardware wallet. But I digress. Um, and also, if you do want to use Cash App, we do have that referral code in the show notes. Cash App is not a sponsor of this podcast. However, every Cash App user has a referral code. Ours is Alphabet Soup because we're nothing special to Cash App. But uh, if you don't have Cash App and you would like to sign up for Cash App, please consider using that, that link in the show notes. You'll get $5 free for signing up and we'll get $5 for free. And that'll be like tipping us five bucks. Not only tipping us five bucks, it doesn't cost you anything. You'll get paid to tip us. So... That's pretty cool. All right, so Cash App is open. I've added 20 bucks to my Cash App, and we're gonna tap buy, and it's gonna ask us to confirm, and boom, just like that, we purchased another 97,801 sats, and this is not gonna be our cheapest purchase ever, but while I've been yapping, Bitcoin did duck back down into the 19,000 range, so we purchased at $19,989.48, that is the second cheapest. That's about $40 per Bitcoin more than our cheapest purchase back in June. So that is really cool. Um, I was hoping it would have gone down a little bit lower, but the perhaps most important thing to those of you out stacking, well, the most important thing again should be that the number of sats just went up. Uh, and if you've been following along since day one and you've been purchasing at the prices we've been purchasing at, your stack now sits at 3,161,775 sats. But what is, uh, what is crucially important about dollar cost averaging is that dropped our average cost basis by another $518.33. Our average cost basis is now $36,688.25. Hopefully that'll be all academic one day when we're talking million dollar Bitcoin, whether you bought it 36000 or 60000 or 5000 is kind of immaterial. All that will matter is that, um, is that the size of that stack. However... Because we did start in a bull run, uh, we bought all the way up to the all-time high. Now we're buying all the way down. Um, and by doing so, we've dropped that average cost basis by $2,235.82 just in the month of August. The cheaper Bitcoin gets, the lower that's going to that's gonna go. But what you should be perhaps the happiest about is that we got 97,801 sats instead of just 90,000 sats last week and only 83,000 sats the week before that. So... You know what? Keep those prices depressed as long as possible. It's just like the halving coming up. If you're a miner, that halving's coming along sooner or later, and you want to, you know, you want to mine 
all those sats you can before that amount gets cut in half. But it's coming. And along with that, the next bull run is coming too, because again, as Adam Meister says, we're one day closer to the next all-time high. So, all right. Um, before we go, once again, I want to thank everyone again that's listening to us on their favorite podcasting 2.0 app. Again, uh, super shout out to Fiat Converter for that boost. But one thing we haven't done in a while that I wanted to do is I wanted to reach out to all of you who are listening in, uh, in places other than the United States and Europe, because uh, that's a lot of you. Um, for example, less than half of our listeners are listening from the United States. Uh, when we first started out, something like 60% of our listeners were in the United States and Germany and Europe were the uh, were pretty much um, everyone else. But as of this episode, only 49% of our listeners in the United States, that's still almost half, but 18% of you are listening from Argentina and that's really cool. So hey to everybody down there in Argentina. Germany still comes in at number three, 6% of you are listening from Germany, 3% of you are listening in Venezuela. 2% of you are listening in Colombia or Uruguay, and Sweden, the UK, and Canada round out the top 10 with 1% each for you listening from Sweden, the UK, and Canada. So truly an international audience out there, and that's really cool too because, um, you know, the United States seems to dominate social media, uh, and that's not necessarily a good thing or a bad thing, but, you know, you get this U.S.-centric viewpoint a lot of times on uh, Twitter or on on Reddit, and it seems like um, people frame all their arguments in terms of what's going on in the United States. And it's refreshing to see that only less than half of you are actually from the United States, um, and that is that is cool because I mean places like Argentina and uh, Venezuela uh, arguably need Bitcoin more than we do here in the United States. So hello to you in Argentina, hello to you in Germany, hello to you in Venezuela, Colombia, Uruguay, Sweden. UK, Canada, wherever you may be listening from. Thank you again for listening. And uh, I do want to say real quick, please make sure to like us on and follow us, like and subscribe on YouTube and like us on Twitter uh, or follow us on Twitter. I'm sorry, stammering a little bit. I've got a couple of things going on and I'm still a little uh, Twitter-pated, no pun intended, from that update to the Cash App that happened right as I was getting ready to make our purchase. But on Twitter, we are at BTC Bulletin Pod at BTC Bulletin Pod. Um, and if you do want to support the show, if you feel so inclined and you're not listening to Podcasting 2.0, uh, we do have tipping enabled on Twitter. You can also support us directly through the anchor.fm support link in the show notes. Uh, and you can, of course, support us by using any of the referral links in the show notes, the Strike app and the Cash app referral codes. That'll get you, uh, that'll help us out and you'll get paid to do so if you don't already have those apps. And last but not least, we do have a Beige32 address in the show notes if you wanted to contribute Bitcoin on-chain. If you're watching the video version of the podcast, that's that QR code in the bottom left-hand corner. Most importantly, though, please like and subscribe. Please follow. Um, please reach out to us. Let us know what you think. Of course, if you're listening on Podcasting 2.0, you can reach out in the form of a boostergram. That'll help support us. And you can say hi and give us your thoughts and opinions on this podcast. Again, on Twitter... We are at BTC Bulletin Pod on Twitter. Please consider following us on Twitter for all the latest updates. And if you want to send us an email, my email address is bitcoinbulletin at protonmail.com. Until then, don't forget to join us next Wednesday and every Wednesday as we keep growing that stack with our DCA, DCA Wednesday episodes. But until then, keep stacking those sats, you sexy sat stackers. <laughs>